Welcome to the Cinema Swamp. Okay. Let's party. In episode 27, we talk about the M. Night Shyamalan films Split and Unbreakable. We talk about what we thought of the two separate films and the lead-up to 2019's Glass. Join the Cinema Swamp crew as we discuss these two different yet exciting Shyamalan films. Alright, then we're up to record. Uh, This is episode 27 of the podcast formerly known as the Cinema formerly Swamp. Known. Uh, <laughs> currently known as the Cinema Swamp. Uh, welcome to NPR. Uh, <laughs> please try our new product called Cinnamon Swamp Buns. Uh, selling Sounds at your so local... Uh, not sold in stores. Only found at the Cinema Swamp headquarters. Get your swamp buns. Uh, yeah. Um, Don't think we get paid for these ads. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're going to be... should read it like an actual ad. <laughs> Hey kids, do you like do you like cinnamon rolls? Do you like cinema swamp? <laughs> well, I'm sure there's some good combination Sticky in there somewhere. Swamp buns. <laughs> Woof. Yikes. Sweaty ball sack. No, uh, <laughs> we just lost so many listeners. Justin. No, woof. haven't you ever seen the SNL skit? Like, when you're talking about this, I don't, I don't watch SNL. That they're much. called sweaty balls. Oh, I don't know. I guess yeah. it's famous. Oh, sweaty balls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I just messed up. I just... That's a Ben and Jerry's ice cream, isn't it? Probably. <laughs> sweaty balls? I think it's called sweaty I balls. I would not put it past Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. Uh, this is episode 29. Uh, I've actually, no, 2019, episode 27. I tried to say 2019. Um, episode 2019. <laughs> point is, we're talking about some Shyamalan uh, junk today. Glass recently came out, which mm-hmm. is the third in the series that kind of came out of nowhere, known as the, um, I don't know, they, some people are calling it the name of the train in Unbreakable, they're calling it that trilogy, some people are, and some people are just calling it the Unbreakable trilogy, which I'm like, that's they easier. It the name I think of the train Shyamalan started, like, whatever train name, he was like, it's that trilogy, Yeah, what, it what didn't really the, catch on. I would mm. like to look that up now. But uh, basically that consists of Unbreakable from 2000, Split from 2017, technically premiered in 2016 if you always, you always see that date thrown around. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we have the new one that just came out and uh, we thought we would talk about the first two and then we actually did see Glass and uh, we're going to talk about that right after. What? Oh, East Rail 177 Trilogy. There that sounds... That rolls right off the tongue. Right, yeah. <laughs> Shyamalan, the master. He's at it again. <laughs> yeah, so this week we'll be talking about Unbreakable and Split, and then next week we'll have the Glass episode. Yeah, but uh, real quick for introductions, I am uh, uh, Justin. Across from me is... Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> and to my right... I'm Zach. No, you're next. He's to your right. Though. I mean, physically. I said, I'm Zach. <laughs> you're also to my right. We just didn't accept his. <laughs> to my to my <laughs> top right. So. I'm Chloe. Keep this all in. <laughs> Christ Almighty. <laughs> women. Women. Classic. We gotta get more women on the show. This is why women don't to want to replace the woman we have on the show. Chloe, if only you were drinking like the rest of us. <laughs> Um, we are going to be talking about probably Unbreakable first. We'll probably mix and match it a little bit, but uh, Unbreakable. Bruce Willis. 
Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Yep. When was the first time everyone saw this movie? Because I saw it right after watching Split. I actually, oh, really? I, I okay. knew about it, but I didn't I didn't watch it ever. But when the twist, which there are spoilers, there's a twist at the end of Split. <laughs> but when they had the big twist, I was like, oh, I know what this is, even though I haven't seen it. But I've just... I never got around to watching the whole movie because I never really heard it in the... Uh, public lexicon i guess is the term i never really heard much about it Mm -hmm. i always hear about six sense signs and of course you know the sillier ones the village and the happening and you never really hear about any of the other movies really as much well that's because i think it was overshadowed by x-men that came out this same year Mm. so that was really well they're both really the first big two superhero movies to come out yeah, like ever, ever, and then which is it was overshadowed by X Men. Well, I don't think it was. People didn't really consider it a superhero. It was about superheroes, but more people considered it because it was like right on the heels of of Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. I think people like because you don't know it's a superhero movie till the end, you know, and most people didn't treat it like you had X Men, which is like balls to the wall superhero mm-hmm. movie, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then I think this was you know disguised as a drama you know yeah. not even really a thriller there's not a whole lot of thrills yeah, in a, it until like the late movie, yeah. third act you know um so i think people more treat it like a drama you know so i think that's really why it's just like kind of art people were like oh this up-and-coming director let's go see his movie but that's really the only acclaim that it got mm. i think i don't know i grew up watching this movie i i probably watched this one as much as i watched star wars like, really? It was really wow. ingrained, kind of. Um, I remember my mom was like, oh, you should watch this movie. It's about superheroes. So she ruined it for me immediately, you know? <laughs> <clears throat> and I probably didn't see it until I was maybe, like, <clears throat> 10 or 11. <clears throat> um, but then I watched it, you know, just growing up from there. <clears throat> and then I, I've always owned it, I guess. I had a copy of it, and it's fun to watch every couple of years. So imagine my surprise seeing Split and <laughs> yeah, must have been nice. the very end you know i'm like oh that's bruce willis oh my holy crap holy <laughs> crap this is nuts you know and uh yeah i don't know real it was real I, I was really happy that i had that experience in the theater because i didn't even know i was watching a Shyamalan movie when i was watching split i just knew i'm like oh that trailer looks super cool let's go see it so yeah i did paid off i i didn't see unbreakable beast for split so i it wasn't super shocking mm-hmm. to me or, like, awesome that Bruce Willis was at the end. I didn't understand it. I had to look it up. Yeah. And then I didn't see Unbreakable till I want to say, last September when Hunter borrowed it to me. Last September? Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't have it by then. September. Yeah. And, yeah, it was, it was really good. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's... I mean, it is a superhero movie, but it's, like, a really slow-burning... It's the least superhero movie, superhero movie. It's like a man's internal struggle accepting who he is, Mm -hmm. is the whole movie. Yeah. That's a good definition for it, yeah. I feel like every time we talk about the first time we saw movies, I'm always like, oh, I saw it two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's good to have, like, fresh eyes compared to, like, I've seen it forever. Mm -hmm. You know, Justin saw it because he saw Split, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're like, well, I, I... we're gonna do this episode, so I gotta track it down. Yeah. So it's cool to have the fresh eyes versus, you know, like I've seen it forever. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like so when we did Harry Potter, like you 
and grew up with them and I didn't. Yeah, so that's it's, true. you know. Did it change your perception of Shyamalan? No, I still hate him. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hate this movie? I didn't hate it, but it was a very slow burn movie. It was it had good parts, but as a whole, I was just unimpressed. It was bored. Yeah, kind of. I uh I remember watching it the first time and I had known enough of the plot to kind of not be surprised by anything, <laughs> but I still really just kind of got into the the visuals of it all, the sort of dark atmosphere to what should be a positive story when you mm-hmm. think about it. And uh, just really good, you know, acting. Really hardcore, subtle acting from mm-hmm. Bruce Willis especially. Uh, stuff I don't see him normally do. And... I don't know. Watching it again recently, I, I I had I had now seen The Sixth Sense, and I've seen uh, I've seen Split, and I've seen The Visit, and you know, there's a couple other Shyamalan movies I just haven't seen yet. So I gotta watch those first. But I don't know if After Earth will top this <laughs> or Last Airbender or anything. But I actually think that uh, Unbreakable might be just my favorite Shyamalan movie because it's so much different, and like it just seems like the thing he was like meant to make. Like, that movie, I just feel like it says something so profound about, I don't know, like, the human journey in general. I don't know. I just think there's some huge message being sprouted out of that movie. So many, like, amazing ideas. And it's not even all being, like, written or being thrown at you or being told to you. You're just, like, watching and you're like, man, this is just, like, the most interesting way to go about this idea. So you think this was, like, the peak of his career was this movie? Yeah, even though it's, like, his, uh, (laughs) technically I think it was his fourth movie, but, like, second big movie. Well, he made a lot of dumpster movies. He made, uh, because, yeah, well, I mean, because I, I mean, most people probably could argue this was his peak. I mean, unless, if you want to say that, the Sixth Sense was his best movie, then I guess that would be his peak since that was his first big break. Uh, it's kind of funny that it's also his most uh, popular movie still and considered his best. Uh, it's not like a Tarantino thing where, you know, his first movie was really good and a lot of people still call it the best, but he has so many good movies after. It's like, no, I think progressively, in a way, a lot of his movies start to go downhill. Like, oh, really? in a way, oh. in a way, like, Sixth Sense probably is a better written movie than Unbreakable. It's mm-hmm. probably better paced and better like twist payoff stuff like that it's probably a better movie but like i like unbreakable just for what it does i can see why people would get bored of it and then signs i mean people i mean liked it but people kind of think it gets stupid and then you get you get to the village and people think that's worse and then you get lady in the water and then you get the happening and then you get last and he kind of had this big like you know u-turn almost because he just kept going more and like like, he did Last Airbender, and I remember when After Earth came out, people said that one was even worse, and I said, how can you, how can you top, your, <laughs> or bottom yourself out even more? Like, how can you dig the hole deeper? So, and then I thought, well, when I saw The Visit, though, I was like, The Visit, I thought, was just fresh compared to anything else that you'd been doing, even though I know you saw The Visit and didn't really <laughs> like it. I thought it was like way more okay, fresh. Uh, and then, I'll, say, I'll say why. And then, and then, I haven't seen it, so don't. Yeah. And then they got the split, and I was like, I really like Split a lot, and that's honestly my second favorite Shyamalan movie. I, I think that's that my, that's probably my favorite. That's an favorite. amazing movie. Is that one of your favorite? It is my favorite Shyamalan movie. But here's a really interesting tidbit I found out because I was kind of like looking into it. I was like, why is this movie so good in this sea of crap that he puts <laughs> out? Because none his movies are bad. But 
I looked it up, and Split was written back when he wrote Unbreakable. They yeah. were meant to be the same movie, so the script is really old, back when he was doing good stuff, and I think that's why it turned out good. And it's a movie that doesn't, like, heavily rely on him wanting to do some dumb twist, because technically the twist in the movie is more a, of a mm-hmm. reveal to what the movie was like it's more of just like an after credit scene it's not yeah, even like yeah. it's an, an it's important to the story and split kind of just relies on sort of being this low budget horror movie you know if you didn't know it was directed by Shyamalan you'd be like wow what a great uh debut film for another great horror filmmaker mm-hmm. if you yeah. didn't know it was Shyamalan like you even said you saw split you didn't know it was Shyamalan so would you even guess unless I, you saw the ending I knew like of Shyamalan like I knew he did Six Sense and Unbreakable, and I knew he did The Village. I didn't know that he had actually done Signs at the time that I saw Split, but I remember like me and my friends that were watching the the Split trailer were like, we gotta go see that, and we had never crossed our minds that we were gonna go see a Shyamalan movie. Mm-hmm. It was just like, we're gonna go see this sweet looking yeah. movie, and so we made it a thing, we all went to the theater. It wasn't until after I'm like, oh, Shyamalan, like, I've heard of him, you know? But I wasn't like, I was into movies, but I wasn't like, I didn't know every director, <laughs> you know? And uh, but I was just like, oh, he did you know, one of my favorite movies, Unbreakable. And then at the very end, it's like, oh my gosh, he did, he, this is tied to one of my favorite movies of all time. So, I don't know. I, I, I do, I, I won't say I like Shyamalan. I do like his movies. I've seen too many Bones features where I just don't like him as a person. <laughs> He's just so pretentious and just so not cool. Um, but uh, I will say that in, in the circles of people that I've been talking to, other than you guys, um, there's a lot more people that like Signs in the Village than you guys think. I, for one, I think Split is his best movie of all time. Same. I like Unbreakable, but I think Signs is his second best movie. Not most popular, but I think actual and quality of film, I think it was very, very, very good. And The Village I recently watched again, and that one I also was like, man, why did this one get such a bad rap? And here's my theory. After Unbreakable, (laughs) people know he's the twist guy. True. You know? And so now everyone's going out to the theater. The first people who see it are going to come back and be like, oh, yeah, he did the twist again. You know it's going to be a twist already. And then they're like, the aliens are... They die from water, or like, oh, like the, you know, there, there's no actual beasts out in the forest. They're just people dressed up in red, you know, porcupine outfits. <laughs> and, you know, like my mom ruined the, the village for me. She's like, oh, here, watch this movie. It's real scary. But don't worry, they're not real monsters. They're just people, you oh know? And at the time, I didn't really think anything of it. I didn't realize what a spoiler was. And then I get to them like, dang, this would have been really cool if I mm-hmm. <laughs> thought they were monsters the whole movie. Yeah. And I think that happened with everybody. And so by the time he gets to the happening, he actually does make a crap movie that's just awful. And then after that, he does Lady in the Water. Or no, Lady in the Water was before the happening. And that one, like I think, was like the... People are like, oh, this is kind of weird. I haven't seen it, but I know a lot about it. Like I think people are just like, this is kind of weird. This is like his weird passion film. You know, we'll let him have this one, but I'm sure the next one he'll go back to his original craft. And then he did The Happening, which was garbage. And then Last Airbender, which was garbage. So I think he definitely lost steam. But I would like, I will say that The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Signs, and The Village are in his realm of, like, almost equal to 
good movies. Like I would I would almost call those like a whatever a quad trilogy is, you know, uh anthology like the early prime of him. Uh, a a, a, a triple-double. Uh, many many good movies in the world. No, like <laughs> he you know signs people there are fi- fans of signs. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And a lot of people from what I've read, it's always just sort of the twist that people hate. I saw a list that ranked all of the Shyamalan movies and they actually separated it into two parts. They said everything in Signs up until the twist and then like ranked at the bottom is the twist from Signs. And I'm like really? and they said what just a colossal way to ruin the entire movie. I don't believe in that though. I'd love to watch Signs because I don't believe in that theory of you know one thing can ruin a movie. Like, I don't even I don't, think that that's it's almost like that's his least twist in any movie he's done. It's not even like a twist, really. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I could watch and just be like, I feel like it could simply be explained by like, you know, maybe these were the dumb aliens. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. You could make something like stupid argument in your head, but why let that ruin a whole movie? I don't know. That's just, I get, I, I can get it, but I can also not. But also, I haven't seen it, so I shouldn't mm-hmm. say. It. But um, so, what would you say is worst movie? Well, I haven't seen enough of them. Because like movie? Yeah. all the bad ones, all the popular bad ones, like the happening Last Airbender and After Earth, I have not watched because yeah, I've heard so many bad well, things actually, about them. I saw, I saw Last Airbender and After Earth. I think and I, I looked on Rotten Tomatoes, and wasn't it Air, Last, Last Airbender has point five? No, I think it's 0. 0.4. Point four for like is that audience reviews or is that just uh, average reviews? Overall. Because I know it, I think it has a five percent rating. For like, like so, like five percent of the people were positive about it, and uh, yeah, I'll look for it. But I'll say about his worst movie because you know, having not seen them all, I shouldn't even talk about the subject. But I would say that the happening, from what I've seen, is definitely like so bad it's good. Like it's just kind of hilarious. Like a room situation. Yeah, exactly. Or uh, then you got. After Earth, which does look incredibly boring, but I think The Last Airbender is probably his worst, just because with that movie, he literally like offended people. Yeah. Like for well, already like racial reasons, but also the fact that that was one of the most popular cartoons ever, and everybody yeah. was like waiting for a movie and just mm-hmm. to kind of mess it up like that. Like, well, and it's funny if you read about the production of that movie, it's not like that was a case of. Well, there were other people behind it, and he was just a hired-on director. It's like, no, he was hired on to write the whole thing. He wrote a trilogy. He was going to be the overseer of the whole production, and the creators of The Last Airbender were so happy. You're like, this is going to be great. <laughs> I'm like, did, did, why? Like, why would you I do that? I don't understand. It's like he didn't even watch the show, though. <laughs> like, he got all the names wrong. All the... Oh, uh, yeah, 5%, by the way, yeah. 5%? And, and it's got a 2.8 out of 10 average rating. <laughs> uh, what's After Earth and the Happening? Oh, I could look up, but um, I don't know. That's probably his worst. But we can get back to the other movies yeah. I had yeah. because back to the subject. I was just trying to say is that Unbreakable, my favorite movie. I think it's a really good looking movie. Uh, it was made for seventy five million dollars at the time, mm-hmm. and it didn't like it made back its budget and then some, but I guess not enough to warrant a sequel. But uh, which is too bad because then you had to wait many years to get a proper sequel, kind of. And I don't know. I just think that the movie was definitely it could have only been made at that time because it was finally at a point where movies like that could have been written and like created, you know, something that was made in Hollywood but can kind of be outside of what Hollywood normally does. 
and it could be about superheroes. Because if that movie was done today, it would be very different, I think. Because yeah. with superhero movies, I think you there are some extra things you had to throw in now to appeal to hopefully getting, you know, nearing a billion dollars at the box office. So you got to throw this in, you got to throw that in. Mm-hmm. So I think that's to- totally could have only been made in that perfect year. Like, as X-Men was coming out and starting that whole trend, it came out, like, right before that. Mm. And After Earth has 11%. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I... Anything else about, like, Unbreakable really quick, though? I mean, any specific moments that you really enjoyed? Because... When the kid was gonna shoot his... Oh, dad. you know what? <laughs> that's probably my favorite part of the movie. That is the only, that's the only part of the movie where I'm like, what are we? Why are we doing this? <laughs> I think it's so important to the movie. I think it like that's in a way like that's like, oh, what's it, what's his son's name? I can't remember his name. Was that like Jacob or? I think it's J- Joseph. Joseph. Yeah. That's like that's Joseph's climax of the movie. Yeah. Like that's out of Joseph's story arc. That's his climax. You know, and it's just it's just a little part of of David. You know. Mm-hmm. But like, it's so interesting because like that's it's I think that seems like right after David and his wife like they go on their date and they come back and they're talking about you know getting the marriage back together kind of mm-hmm. you know and like even in that scene like Joseph he's got like like a cut on his face like well, yeah he's, but didn't he get in a fight at school yeah you know because he thought he would he was maybe a superhero I think they were talking about dads like whose dad could do what you know and then like but him like he yeah I don't know just the fact that like his face is cut up and like you know his dad is unbreakable you know um I don't know I think that that whole scene is super important to the movie cause it puts like you said like this movie is about like a man like arguing with his inner self on whether he's just a normal guy mm. or if he can be something of a comic book. You know, if he can, you know, it's it's so silly, but he's like, this could actually be a thing. And that is like one of the moments that pushes him over that tipping point into accepting his role as a protector, you yeah. know? Um, and so I, don't, I think that's really important. And especially because it's his son, it's not like it's a bad guy you know, a thief or a robber or, you know, glass himself, like, holding a gun to him. It's, like, his son. And, like, he's got to talk him down as a dad first before he can, like, just be unbreakable, take the bullet and just walk up to him and, you know, crush the gun or something stupid, you know. He, like, uses his words to, like, to show, I don't know, I think that shows way more testament. Like, he's not, even in that, he's not a hero. Like, he is, but he's a hero because he's a dad. He's not a hero because he is strong. So, like... I like the use of that scene a lot. I do too. And do you guys think the bullet would have bounced off of him? I don't. I still understand his powers for sure. I think I think the bullet would have bounced, but I mean, of course, you can't see it because one, I think it it would ruin some of the mystery. I don't think they had the budget for. Like we've never. I mean, seventy-five million. I think they would have, but but like it's not enough for. It's just it's not the point of the scene. We've never really seen the limitations of his powers. So. Well, and that's like, well, that's the thing. It adds so much mystery to it because, you know, yeah, he can bench press, what is it, like 400 pounds at one point? Something he can, like, like, and when he's falling in the water, it's like, yeah, he's drowning, but there's also a tarp there, so maybe that's part of the problem. So the whole movie is, is a balance of 
is this dude really got superpowers or is he just lucky or is everything just kind of working out the way it is and I think that's kind of the brilliance of the movie and I mean luckily Glass in a way it continues that because you never really get a full idea of what his powers or what the extent are mm-hmm. but it's just the power of like belief almost it is kind of it is a movie about that too it's just like believing in yourself in a way mm-hmm. and or you know trying to uh, come to terms with like you said who you are and uh, I don't know I just think that super interesting I mean obviously he does have powers because he can touch people and see what they are doing mm-hmm. you know in their past that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie like in movies in general that's one of my like just favorite scenes Which is scene? when he's uh, when he's in when the he touches uh, Shyamalan yeah when he touches Shyamalan has the confrontation no uh, when he's in the uh, the train station and he's just running into all those people and mm-hmm. you know every superhero movie tries to do this whole even Spider-Man 2 or I mean 1 ends with him saying this is my power my curse you know there's always that term my curse being a superhero is a curse but most movies you don't really see that you see them flying around and waving the camera and, you know mm-hmm. they go and save the day and every time even though there's a struggle they usually save everyone anyway this was the first time where I ever saw someone actually have a curse where it's like he's seen all these people doing terrible things and in most cases it's stuff that's already happened and he can't do anything about it like it's just it's too late and i'm like that is just depressing like he sees the one guy which is is horrifying it's basically this guy who's gonna rape this girl and you know then he sees him at the train station just walking up to his family hey what's up parents and it's like he just sits there because he's like i can't do anything about this because it's it's already happened Mm -hmm. the only thing he can do something about is the one guy who's kidnapped children and the children are still alive Mm -hmm. and even then when he saves them it's like parents are dead Mm -hmm. he doesn't go and promote himself he just it's this really quick moment between him and his son where he's like he at least lets the son know he's like i'm legit i'm that guy Mm -hmm. and you're the reason i got to this point that's like such a sweet moment Mm -hmm. so i don't know like i've I've always loved that scene because it's like it's it's beautiful because it's like the birth of a superhero but it's also just tragic because it's Mm -hmm. like this is the shit you're gonna have to put up with now Mm -hmm. it's like screw that (laughs) Yeah. yeah No, I love I love this movie. It, it, a lot, the whole movie is just build up and build up and build up and build up until you get, you know, to where it is. And I think it's, it's interesting, like, because I didn't, because I watched it so young, I didn't realize like that Glass was the bad guy, mm-hmm. until like my second or third time I watched it. I just thought he was just like this guy in the movie that he wasn't even helping. He was just like a weirdo. <laughs> but like, when my mom gave me the movie and explained it to me she's like oh yeah it's really cool because he's a superhero and he's like the opposite of him he's like super breakable and like that's just it you know and so i watched it and like oh it's just a, like my mom said it's just a guy who breaks easy that's all his uses is to show the opposite and then i'm like oh wait no he's supposed to be the bad guy like he actually did a lot of horrible stuff and um yeah i don't know as the more i watch it because i've watched a lot like i see there's a lot more cheesy elements, but then there's a lot of elements that I think really stand out every viewing I have, especially cinematography in the movie. Is This is like one of the first movies I started recognizing what good cinematography was. In the very beginning when he's like sitting in a seat and he's like pulls his wedding ring off to like flirt with a girl, like the camera like follows like her face as she's walking through the train and then it goes between like 
seats like if you know looking between the seats at the back people and like the camera just goes back and forth and looking between the crack and the seats at david and this girl and the camera just goes back and forth probably 20 times as they talk up until like david realizes that the train's about to crash you know and i don't know i just thought that was super cool and then like right after he wakes up in the hospital and the the camera's like zooms in really close on david's face and it's slowly backing out as David's like sitting up and realizing what's happening and there's doctors everywhere. Um, and then it, the camera stops moving backwards and settles right on what looks like just some kind of fabric in the foreground. And then as he's talking to this doctor, the doctor's like, oh, what I'm about to tell you is you know really crazy. You're just in an accident. And that man up there like is the only other survivor. And then as he's saying that, like, as the camera's been sitting on this guy for probably a minute, two minutes maybe, which is a long time for one shot, you start seeing like this pool of blood come up through that that apron that the patient has on. And he said, you're about to become the only survivor of this train incident. And he's just watching this pool of blood get bigger and bigger on this other patient. And like, I don't know. I just, I, I remember seeing that super young and being like, this is like a really cool thing. Like I didn't, I didn't know that film could do this. To could create such a in the present moment type of, you know, shot and yeah. um, so that I mean that very beginning sticks with me. It's, it's always stuck with me a lot. And then one of my favorite scenes from any movie is in this one where he 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 gets pushed over the railing by the uh, guy who's holding the family hostage and he lands on the pool and he's like lands on the tarp and he kind of notices that like the tarp is like slowly slipping and there's like weights that are coming off and the camera just is directly above him and it shows him like sprawled out and you see like that like him sink into it, it looks like he's just sinking into like pudding or something but it's, it's such a cool and scary shot like it's i don't know i i, I think of myself in that situation and i <laughs> freak out you know um and so yeah, and you know he did the Sixth Sense right before this, and then he did Signs right after, like, and he did a lot of horror elements in Signs especially. And I don't know, this was like his transition movie into like it's not a horror movie, but that scene has stuck with me for a long time, and is horrifying to me. Um, yeah, I don't know, I like it a lot. I like Sam Jackson, even though he's probably my least favorite part of the movie, um, but not in a bad way. Like I still like him a lot. It's just that shows how much I like the rest of the movie. Just some of his lines are cheesy. Some of the forced comic book references. We kind of made a joke about it at the very beginning when he gives a bunch of comic book stats and how it's like really irrelevant because those stats have definitely changed in the past twenty years. You know, <laughs> true. Um, but uh, what would Mister Glass think of all these MCU movies coming out today? Yeah. I, I really feel Glass like he would, would. I'd think he'd be like, "Man, I'm not that smart." Like, <laughs> I think he'd see Civil War and be like, "Man, that Zemo guy knew what he was doing." <laughs> you. Nailed it, man. <laughs> I want to sue. They took my uh, character ideas. I, I really actually like Mr. Glass because, one, it sort of helps the whole film's dynamic of trying to find your place in the world when you really have no um, pathway, I guess. Because him and Bruce Willis are both like that. And I guess he just kind of feels like, why was I even born? And he never really says that. He does say towards the end that I'm not a mistake. But it's not like that's a common thing, some cheesy line that's being thrown mm -hmm. around the entire movie. It's like, no, he only says that at the end. Mm -hmm. And it's like, holy shit, like that's, of course he would think that, you know? Mm -hmm. Of course someone like him would think that, like living the way he is. And 
that's i mean yeah and he it's also i think a good comment on uh i mean i don't know how prevalent it was in the 2000s but i think it's become even more prevalent about people kind of using their media too much to reflect on their own lives you know Mm -hmm. like it's not a bad thing to do but there's like an extent that it's like whoa man you gotta start just kind of you know reflecting on life just to reflect on life not like comparing it to movies or Mm -hmm. (laughs) to books or to comic books especially that's what he does and it's like people kind of do that i think a lot where they just kind of relate a lot of things to their lives almost too much you know thanos everyone always saying i think i think he had the right idea i'm like that's that's not the point of the movie yeah (laughs) but like um i really like that and you know like you were saying about the hospital scene you know the scene right after that i really like Mm -hmm. is when he walks out of the hospital room and you know you just see all those people just sitting there uh because you know they're all waiting to kind of hear what Mm -hmm. happened to their family members and you just it really sinks it in for you like man that's just how many people died on this train. Like, mm-hmm. if you didn't actually get an idea of that before, you never get an idea of that. I mean, Bruce Willis was in the movie where uh, Die Hard 2, a whole plane just blows up, and we're kind of meant to forget about it by the end. Mm-hmm. And that part's always bothered me in that movie. I'm like, dude, like, everybody just died there. Like, a hundred-some people, maybe yeah. more. This movie actually lets you sink with that for a second. They're like, this is how many people died in that mm-hmm. plane, or in that, in, that, in that train. But the thing that added it, uh, more to it this time was when I realized I'm like man you know what they're probably seeing Bruce Willis right now and they're like oh well, that means my family members are fine if he looks like that only to find out later it's like wow he's the only one that lived and then they're probably adding this whole other otherworldly dynamic to that like why why was he fine like everyone else died why was he fine like that doesn't mm-hmm. even make sense it's like where, where do, what do people do with that kind of garbage um, and last thing I really liked about the movie is it is a movie kind of like Bruce Willis has a depressing life. Obviously, I mean he uh, many times brings up stuff about high school. He obviously married his high school, well, or was it college? I, I don't remember exactly. It was high school. And it's his high school sweetheart he's with, and you know you kind of realize by the end, like uh, you know he's a security guard. He's probably not happy with his life. He seems like a depressed dude. But the one thing I really liked is that he actually did fix his marriage in the end, and it didn't yeah. become a thing where it's like they just have a tarnished. Uh, you know, marriage, and they just kind of fight all the time. It's not even that. It's just that they, they're just kind of in a weird rough patch where they're like, I just don't like being around you, and they fix it by the end. And mm-hmm. I really like that about the movie because I'm like, a lot of movies don't do that. They either have it where it's like they're fighting, or they have to break up, or some other mm-hmm. thing like that. But this one, they were like, now nah, they fixed it. I was like, yeah, that's unique. They, you never really get that. Mm-hmm. Most movies, they make them seem brave if they get a divorce. Like, it was the brave thing to do. Yeah. For them to separate. But it's this like, one, it's, it's like, no, it's brave for them to stick it out and fix it and to do the hard thing to make it work. And it wasn't even just for Joseph that they did it. They did it for each other, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. No, it's cool. It's a really cool element to it. And then going back to, like, you know, them getting in a car accident and, like, I think that's a really cool... Another thing, I wish, like, <laughs> I would have not had my mom ruin it for me. Because, like, I think that whole thing would have been like, oh, is it or isn't it? But then my mom tells you, oh, yeah, he's a superhero. So from the beginning of the movie, I'm like, I I know, like, oh, like, that accident either didn't happen or, like, <laughs> he doesn't remember that he was unscathed, you know. But anyway, do you guys have anything more to say about it before we jump to Split? Unbreakable. Yeah, coming. It's a miracle. 
How many times are we saying that? I don't podcast? know. <laughs> I thought Zach was going to reel in on it once. <laughs> uh, we could discuss Split now, though. Um, this was one of those uh, January releases where I kind of thought the movie was going to be dumb, like most horror movies are <laughs> released mm-hmm. in January. And I, so I wasn't expecting much, but the one thing that really kept me going was James McAvoy. I was like, why are you in this movie? Did you owe money to like, Why are you? Uh, yeah. Why are you here? Because then you look up online, you're like, you must have, like, well, maybe this movie's a big budget movie and you see it's nine million. I'm like, what? Does he, is he friends with the writer or something? And then you see it's M. Night Shyamalan and you're like, oh, okay, it's starting to make a little more sense, but why is M. Night Shyamalan doing a nine million dollar movie? Um... Great movie. It was an awesome movie. That honestly, it probably would have been one of my favorite movies of 2017. It might have been my favorite. I I don't think I put it in my list just because it technically was a 2016 release. I should mm-hmm. change my rules for that because its wide release was 2017. But the point is, uh, definitely uh, one of the best that Shyamalan has done. And uh, it's got equal bits terrifying, equal bits uh, kind of funny. Maybe offensive to some. I don't know. I haven't really read much up about it, but uh, I I enjoy the movie. It's it's your classic uh, psychopath tale, but with a little bit of a shaman twist here and there. But I enjoyed it. Uh, I remember seeing the trailer and needing to see that movie for some reason, and so we did. Mm-hmm. Was yeah. it in Hibbingstow or were yeah. we here? I remember seeing the trailer, and I thought it sounded super, super cool, and I had no idea until we were sitting in the theater that it was an M. Night movie, and then as soon as the name popped on the screen, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> that but you were pretty surprised, though. D- I what hate Shyamalan. Were you surprised, though? I was very surprised, because I actually did like it. I loved this movie. I thought it was, it was so really good. cool that he thought to, like use an actual mental illness not use it but like kind of incorporate it into the mm-hmm. movie and for the people that are offended about it it's obviously like he over tweaked the it top a lot. yeah he definitely he stretched it, it pretty far yeah it's not it's like a caricature of actual did mm-hmm. because it's just so like it's it's movie did it's yeah. just fake and but. until you know that it's going to be a part of a superhero universe mm-hmm. i could see it being way more offensive mm-hmm. but if you'd seen unbreakable beforehand and then you know this is like you're like oh yeah. i get why and then it becomes way cooler because you're like this is this is like a villain that's like as cool as thanos in terms of like drive and why they're they mm-hmm. are the way they are like they have like like if he's considered a villain even like because well, I don't know, because there's, like, he's factions Kevin. within himself, too. There's yeah, that's the, the thing. It's, like, Kevin is, like, a, an amazing dude. I mean, he's just, well, like... Kevin's just a normal guy, and then there's, so like, him. Barry, who's, like, the leader of everyone who keeps him in check, but then there's also the Horde, who's, like, breaking off from, mm-hmm. from everyone else and, like, making their own faction. So it's, yeah. like, this whole, like civil dynamic or like social dynamic in just that one person Mm -hmm. but that's the thing it's like because of all that like if he's considered a villain overall which he isn't you know he's an antagonist yeah like in well he's a villain glass i don't want to talk too much about glass yet but like he's it makes him like the depth to him is unreal Mm. like it just Mm -hmm. it's if you were to put him in a category of best villains of all time he is in top five I would say because yeah. of 
his depth and actual diversity mm-hmm. of a character and uniqueness like so cool yeah. um but okay. and putting into this story like it's so real too like mm-hmm. the actual like i don't like i've seen I don't know, a few kidnap movies like and i don't justin you said like that's like one of your greatest fears of all time is like well, children being kidnapped that's yeah. like the most terrifying thing that I know, can so I'm interested to hear what you think about this movie, like, with that, you know? Well, I mean, just because the whole setup uh, to it is, like, holy, yeah, that could just happen, mm-hmm. of course. Like, to the extent of him actually getting away with it the way he does, I don't know, because then you find out he's just, like, in the bottom cellars of a zoo, a zoo which I, I still don't understand. Like, I get what the metaphor they were doing there and everything, but I don't really get how he was able to have it in the so zoo. was like, he working there? Because he had, like, a locker. He might have been. I mean, I guess one but of al- his... But also, Barry was, like, a designer. I feel like... Wh- Kevin worked I think Kevin worked there. there. Kevin worked there, but Kevin who... Kevin worked at the zoo. But yeah, who's Kevin the guy with too. the glasses, and he's, like, the one... Yes. Dennis. It seemed like he was the one who, like, probably could have been the personality, like taking charge and like getting in there like even like because at that point kevin was like long gone yeah like well it was probably just kevin or not kevin either barry or dennis just taking on like kevin's name legally because it would be really difficult to change your name well barry was the one who would be in charge like yeah kevin was like him like legally that was him Mm -hmm. in society but barry was like the main guy to take care of everyone else in side of kevin the only part i just i i can't accept that somehow he got a bunch of sheetrock hauled down there i'm like do you know how big sheetrock is do you know how hard like i get that he's, he's got this whole he's a beast. <laughs> uh, is strong. and not that he's not strong <laughs> i'm saying you have to still walk past everybody with sheetrock like i don't know this is the point is that's all fine i uh it's not as terrifying to me because um it's from their perspective i think it's way more terrifying when it's like you know prisoners watch that as a true horror story because it's just you have no idea where the kids are and you're from mm-hmm. the perspective of the parents here you're at least from the perspective of the kids and you're like you know the whole time you're sort of being the victim with them yeah. and you're kind of playing those like same uh things that play through your mind when there's people who either escape or don't escape and you hear about their uh the issues that they had or the um the, the kind of um situation they were in and you start to question yourself like the jackass you are you're like well why didn't they do this why didn't mm-hmm. they do that and then you watch this movie and you're like that's what i was thinking the whole time I'm like well why don't they do this why don't they do that why don't they just rip out the sink from it i mean i know it'd be crazy but just rip the whole thing out and then whack him over the head that's what i was saying but you know then uh casey i believe she's just mm-hmm. like no, we're trapped. You're not going to be doing any of that. And it's like she kind of brings it all down to reality. And you're like, oh, I, I guess she's right. Like, yeah, you can't really just do that. Especially by the end, you start to figure out, like, why she truly believes she can't just escape. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, like, you know, a lot of movies that are, you know, this is the classic, you know, uh, the final girl uh, trope in movies. Most of the time, like, I, I love Halloween. And I love... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, but it's like the characters themselves in those movies, like the final girl, uh, Nancy and Laurie Strode, I'm like, they're not like the most interesting in the mm-hmm. world. Like, what's interesting about them is why they're being chased and, you know, the transgressions that they have to go through. It's not really that 
their history is interesting. Mm-hmm. This is the first time where I'm like, I'm I'm sold on this like everything that happens to her. You slowly start to learn about her past throughout the movie, and you're like, holy shit, she has seen some things. And you're like, by the end, you're like, you want her not only to survive, but beyond that, you know, hey, go take care of other shit while you're at it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I really like that about it. It's like it's it's traditional, but it was such a good, unique, and probably one of the better takes I've seen on the idea. And uh, so I, I I really just liked her. I don't think she needed to come back in glass. I thought we'll get to that, but mm-hmm. I I liked her a lot in this movie. And besides McAvoy, she definitely carried the movie for me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but yeah, I mean, they're also a good looking movie. I mean, just for the fact yeah. that you realize oh, yeah. that it was made for like a $9 million mm-hmm. budget, you're like, huh, some of the stuff that they do in this movie. And, you know, early on in the movie when he's doing the whole uh, Hedwig role, I kind of was wondering, I'm like, how are they going to make for a good climax when you got a silly character like that in the movie? Blue socks, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Et cetera. Et cetera. <laughs> Et cetera. And but I I I did not see the beast coming, and the way the whole science of that is explained is like it's like out of this world, it's crazy, but you buy it, and I'm yeah. like I'm totally up for this. This is so interesting. Even before that, you know that it's in the Unbreakable Universe. You kind of just accept yeah. it as now it's all. Before it was like a psychological like thriller. Now it's a straight-up horror movie. It's funny that he was able to do that. He was able to get you sold on this. He was this. able to climb up walls, McAvoy. <laughs> yeah, he just actually did it. It's crazy that Shyamalan was able to... Uh... Really good actor. <laughs> he really commits. Method actor. I think actor. he's better than Daniel Day-Lewis. Method actor. <laughs> I, I, I'm surprised that Shyamalan was able to get us sold on this uh, impossible universe before, before finding out what universe it was actually in. You're like, oh, well, it makes even more sense now. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. Keep talking about it, man. Other things that were good in that. I mean, it's basically mm-hmm. James McAvoy's movie, yeah. but McAvoy, I like it. I don't know. I think he was best actor of 2016 for this movie. Yeah, Some of his watching it the second time through the other night, like mm-hmm. seeing his facial change from Barry to Dennis, yeah, gave mm-hmm. me chills. Yeah, seeing him turn. From how probably Hedwig to Patricia or something. Patricia to like Kevin maybe, you know, like made me cry. Or even like, like the Beast to Kevin. The Beast to Kevin. Beast to Kevin. Yeah, whoever, yeah. however Kevin, Kevin came, it must have been. Yeah, like all of Casey's parts are awesome. Seeing like the, I mean, I don't know, McAvoy. Holy yeah. dang, mm-hmm. he. He's so good. I want to watch this movie again just for him. Like mm-hmm. the story is great. But he is the, like, just, uh, wow. And even the quick little videos we get of, like, all the different personalities, they're Mm -hmm. all so different. But we never got Ansel. (laughs) (laughs) Not even in Glass. We didn't even get Ansel. Spoiler alert. That actually, like, I was impressed, like, the stuff with, like, the um, therapist, I guess. I don't know what her her name was. And split, yeah. Psychiatrist, kind of. Yeah. Um, Because she had a PhD, I think they said. Yeah. So I would say psychiatrist. What her actual role. Um, 
But, like, you know, Barry had his own email, which I'm guessing is different from, like, Dennis's, so, like... <laughs> Could you imagine how long that would take to, like, mm-hmm. set up all of those emails? You just have, like, one Yahoo account, but then you're like, alright, who's next? You know, and then <laughs> they'll have their own file on the computer, I guess, full of, like, video logs or whatever, but... Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I liked all this... I liked the stuff with the psychiatrist. Um, in the theater, I think I didn't like it as much. Like, I knew I was part of the story... But I think I was also like, I think after the movie, I was like, why do we have so many scenes with her? And then this watching, I thought it was more appropriate. Like, the amount of scenes that she had was made more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like she was so close with Barry that she could tell right away that it wasn't Barry. Mm-hmm. Well, he was the predominant. Yeah. Well, like, he was the one who would reach out to her. Three years? He's the one who would go to her. And then Mm -hmm. she could tell right away that it wasn't Barry. The second time around, you see that. But the first time, you don't see that. Because he's adjusting stuff. You don't know that Dennis is a well, you do control know. freak, you do really. Later on you don't know that he's that up. depth of it. You well, see him you like... You know he's LCD from the beginning because he's the one who kidnap- kidnaps them and then he's like wiping down the car and stuff. I like, mean, but I, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to get fingerprints on anything. Like, I wasn't thinking OCD, you know? Well, yeah. I was thinking he was weird like that. I don't know. No, I was thinking like... Because you don't know... You don't have DID explained to you yet in the movie when he's walking around the office and he's like making sure stuff is like mm-hmm. and she's looking at him confused and you already know he's a shady character he just kidnapped three people but you don't know his depth you don't mm-hmm. realize that he's got all these levels to him mm-hmm. like and so when there is the reveal where he turns from Dennis from Barry into Dennis then you're like wow like mm-hmm. <laughs> McAvoy is acting like a character acting like another character and yeah. he's killing it like so well awesome. and you mean Man. when Dennis is pretending to be Barry? Yeah, when Dennis is pretending to be Barry. And then he turns, like, from that happy Barry into, like, that wrinkled forehead scowl that Dennis is. Yeah. And, like, oh, man, it's <laughs> so good. Like, and, like, she catches on, and he's, like, intentionally walking through the trash outside mm-hmm. when she checks the cameras. <laughs> that, that, that part, like, I, I understood why it was there. And it was, like, very interesting that just how well she knows him but like that part to me was just such a weird stretch i'm like why why would he go that far i mean because she explains why he went that far but why would she be watching the security cameras like it just because yeah. i'm like this totally feels like a Shyamalan written moment of like not really understanding how human beings uh mm-hmm. work and then he's also happens to be in that scene so i'm like huh i'm like that makes sense but like i get why the scene's there mm-hmm. but like that part for me i'm just like this. Shyamalan tends to be an over-explainer and thinks that <laughs> By people the way. are too dumb to get things on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know. What what else we got to say about Split? I mean... What well, the ending? It's freaky. I you mean, yeah. Like the the ending, the, the beast. The twi- not, not, not just the twist, but like the actual ending of the movie. Like him like cornering her behind those bars and her with a shotgun shoots him. And like he runs away. Like, what do you guys think about all that? Him eating those other girls. Like, I okay, actually, the cannibalism's pretty freaky. I I hate that part. I think that's stupid. Really? I, I actually hate that. That, a that really pissed me off. Actually, that they killed them off because already we had them um, captured by him. We already had them 
thrown into different cells, and we make it seem like, you know, they're gonna escape or something, and then, uh, instead, we kill them off last second, and I was like, why, why are we adding that extra, I get, we gotta make them seem terrifying and terrible, but, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like he could've just killed one. But my, my big, I guess my big issue is that, like, they also sort of set it up to be this, unintentionally they do this, but it's like, Oh, I only uh, kill the people who haven't been broken, you know, and, and then he goes and he's about to kill Casey, but then he says uh, she's got scars, so that she's he's like, oh, you've been broken. Those other girls, though, they mm-hmm. they they weren't broken. They were just. Uh, I just don't get his whole like methodology there. I know he's really? supposed to be crazy, but oh, like I, I understood it completely. I saw that scene and I was like, so the way that everybody can be safe from him is just like cut yourself up a little bit then you're good well you gotta have to have endured he talks about it like the crucible you have to have been purified by the fire of you know pain you know and and like he didn't know exactly what she's been through but he knows like she's been resilient this whole time she's mm-hmm. you've been resilient because you've went through the fire you know and those other girls like he kidnaps a whole you know uh preppy cheerleading team you know i guess it's spoilers for glass <laughs> Um, but, uh, I don't know. I, I knew one of those girls had to die for it to, for the stakes to be up, but I thought it was crazy how he went through the, the effort, and this is a good thing, that he went through the effort of having scenes sprinkled through with her, with the, uh, one girl locked in a closet and she's got the clothes hanger trying to get this lock and she's like failing, failing, and then she's got it and she's like just about there. And then, like, there's some other scenes that go on, and, and you kind of realize, like, oh, we haven't seen what happened with her yeah. yet. And as you think that in your head, you're like, oh, I wonder what's happening with her. They go to that scene, mm-hmm. and he's straight up eating her stomach. And you're like, oh, oh nuts, crazy, she never made it out. <laughs> and, like, I think that was necessary. The other girl maybe could have survived, yeah. but I honestly, I was like, I think they both... It needed to die for the following scene where she's trapped in the room, she sees the dead psychiatrist... And she has to say, Kevin Wendell Crumb, like, I think she she knows, like, whoa, this guy, like, it's it's serious now. Like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, she's always been, she's been trying to interact with Hedwig and stuff and Dennis, trying to get to their more human sides. But by then, I think she realizes that, like, the Beast isn't a talking type, you know. And so I, I like that they got eaten. I think it's... I don't think it was it was good that they got their stomach eaten. That'd be like the least beneficial part of anyone. I was gonna say, you gotta go for like your go for the butt cheek or something. You know, that's some serious meat stomach there. Stomach is just organs. But if you puncture the stomach, yeah, she just doesn't have good taste. You just want to straight for the McDonald's of the person, <laughs> not the Outback that's what Steakhouse. Oh, steak back outhouse. Steak back outhouse. <laughs> Did uh, so those those scars though that were on her. This might be a dumb question, but that was from herself, not from the uncle. Or was no, the from the uncle. That is from the uncle. I don't think it's from herself. Yeah. I because I've heard both. Like I think they bring it be. up in glass, and she or someone else says it's from her uncle. Okay, because I yeah I read the uh, like the I think the plot on IMDb or something, and I think they said it was self harm. So I was like, okay, and I mean that makes sense, I guess. But like I, it's just kind of the way it. 
I, I remember watching it again this time, and I was like, I don't know, the way those scars are, it doesn't really look like that's self-harm. I know this is what we're talking about right now, but, like, mm-hmm. I'm, I just, I was like, I feel like that's not really, if a person was doing that, how they would go about it. And then I read somewhere else, I was like, no, that's from the uncle. I'm like, oh, well, that makes more sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, I guess, yeah, now that, if it was in class, I'm like, yeah, I, I probably wasn't, I was probably pissed off from one of the many scenes I was going, we'll get to that, but, <laughs> like... <laughs> Uh, but Split and Unbreakable are great, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, favorite scene in Split has to be when he goes... Um... Hedwig's dance scene. Oh, no, I forgot. <laughs> I love how that whole, like, actually that shot is set up, where it's just <laughs> this really static shot, and it's just him going wild, and in one second he just disappears, and then he sees <laughs> his like, legs up. coming. Yeah. Oh, and then he also pops up at <laughs> well, one no, point, and I'm like, legs, I'm like, I love this. It's so, it's such simple filmmaking, I, but it's way more effective than moving the camera around with him. Yeah. It's like, no, it just... It just keep it like that. It's like, because that's exactly what's going through Casey's mind right now. Mm-hmm. She's like, just at a standstill, like, what is going on? Were, yeah. were you guys disappointed that there wasn't a dance scene, like a Hedwig dance scene in Glass? Kind of. Nope. Yeah, they could have used disappointed one. Uh, I watched an interview with McAvoy, and he said that there was one, and there's a Drake song playing, because Drake's his main man, spoiler alert, in, in Glass. And... Uh, Who's the director? <laughs> Shyamalan. I'm like, uh, John Krasinski. Who's that guy? John Krasinski. Uh, Shyamalan thought it'd be fine if they just had the Drake song. Drake wouldn't care. And McAvoy was like, nah, he's gonna want like half a million. And that's what ended up happening, so they had to cut the scene. Oh, Shyamalan. Want half a million. I, uh, I really like the scene where he actually becomes the beast i think that's an awesome scene which you know by the way done on the train station also so like we should have all known from the beginning but uh i love that uh whole scene there intercutting with them trying to escape of course but like he kind of like lays those like flowers down and i'm like that's almost like he's like signifying that like this is his death like this mm-hmm. is like the death of all the other personalities and this is where it's just the beast is taking over for good mm-hmm. and then that shot on the train is just terrifying. There's, like, a shaky cam going on, but it's also, like, they're doing that sort of vertigo effect. Mm-hmm. The background's coming in closer while we're, the foreground's still staying the same. It's just so freaky, and I'm mm-hmm. like, how did he do that? Like, $9 million budget, and this is what you can get out of it. It's like, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. All movies should be made for $9 million. <laughs> All movies. <laughs> but, yeah, it's crazy. Especially since Unbreakable, you said $75 million? Exactly. That's nuts. Seventy-five million is a nine, and it's still such a better movie. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got experience by now, but it's paying McAvoy, that girl's somewhat of a big actor. Eventually, get Bruce Willis. You know, I don't know. She's supposed to be and in new mutants. I won't. I'm not gonna say too much about Glass, but um, my first time. Uh, well, not during. Well, because like I knew it was, it was Shyamalan by the time the the pre credits rolled the title card or whatever um i'm like oh it's a Shyamalan movie that's that's unique you know and then watch the rest of the movie um when it was revealed that like his dad got on a train and left and he's at the train tracks i thought in my head i'm like oh like what a crazy coincidence like unbreakable has to do with the train but i didn't make the connection until like probably two or three days after I watched Split and they've already seen the end credit scene when Bruce Willis is there, which is the worst scene in the movie. I think we can agree, maybe. I think the worst scene in the movie is the Bruce Willis scene. In what? In Split. 
Oh, it's the worst scene? Yeah. Why? Because of the the stand-ins or whoever. Well, it's just terrible because of what that woman's saying. Yeah. Like, uh, we used to have someone like that yeah. a couple years Who ago. Who was that? Uh, what they was their name? A, they gave him a funny name. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then this is literally what happened. She's like, "Oh right," and then she runs away. Doesn't yeah. acknowledge oh, yeah. Bruce Willis. Just like, "Oh yeah, gotta get out of frame so we can reveal Bruce Willis." I'm like, "Shyamalan, how did you do yeah. that? Like oh, that yeah. is terrible." Just wait, just wait till we start talking about glass, right? But <laughs> no, actually, I didn't even make that connection though. Like mm-hmm. the fact that he put the flowers down at the train station, I kind of figured it was just for himself, like the death of himself. Yeah, that's but, what I thought too. But you know, at that first like, I did, but I was also like, "Oh, that's." Shyamalan must have a thing for trains. But like, no, like, think about it in, in glass really like with the, the big reveal of who died on the train. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, maybe that's why he was doing that. Of course, well, Shyamalan it, said he had a plan. I'm pretty sure it also says in Split that his dad died on a train. Does it mm-hmm. say that one I'm point? I'm pretty sure. Oh, not died no. on a train. Just that he left on a train and never or came back. Or left on a train, that's what yeah. it was. Oh, yeah. dark. Oh, then you find out what that really meant. Jeez. Mm-hmm. It's funny that we didn't read into any of that first go around i mean until you watch glass and you're like oh well now it makes sense i mean that is such it that part of the movie was like a good twist because i was like it makes sense at least and it's like interesting but i could see some people being like ah like, yeah well we'll get to glass just in case you know <laughs> since yeah. no one's watched glass by next week when they hear this episode i mean we've waited a while but so come on now yeah uh but yeah we could we could probably be done about yeah. splitting unbreakable we got about everything we needed to out about it um mm-hmm. which is better Splitter, Unbreakable. Split. Split. Oh, and I grew up with Unbreakable, it's so it's a, just... I think it depends. shows how good Split is. Are you saying you're split on the issue? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's going to take a lot to unbreak my mind on this. <laughs> no, that's good. I think they're close. Unbreakable is really good. Uh, no, I, I do like Unbreak. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like... I love Split, and Split is like, if I'm going to have to choose between them both, I'd choose Split because it's a way more enjoyable movie, but Unbreakable mm-hmm. is like the better movie. It's like a better made movie, and mm-hmm. I think it's like better written, better everything in it, but like Split is like, grab some popcorn and let's have some fun. Like, I would probably mm-hmm. show that to people over Unbreakable. I, I, I would, it's funny, because I love Unbreakable, but I... A lot of people I would not recommend it to. Oh, yeah. Because I'm like, you are not going to like it's this so movie. It's so slow. You're going to be good, bored as hell. It's yeah. a lot of long scenes of just people talking. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if you really, if you, if you, uh, like, let me ask you a question, young sir. I'm like, if you sat through <laughs> the entirety of The Godfather, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, <laughs> and uh, Seven Samurai, then maybe I'll give you Unbreakable. Because yeah. that tells me you can at least sit down. But, like, Unbreakable, even then, like, I think that's a slower movie than all three of those movies I just listed. Like, it is a slow burn. It is, uh... Lawrence Arabia is, like, three and a half hours. Yeah, but, I I don't know, I think it's quicker paced, even, than Unbreakable, if you ask me. I remember watching it. What was the second one? It felt like forever. The Godfather? I said Godfather, Lawrence of Arabia, and Seven Samurai. Yeah, Godfather's close to it. Yeah. It depends. I've actually never seen The Godfather. 2001 is pretty slow. That's, That's another one. Like, slow. good movie, very slow. Would not watch Break it. Break it slow again. because it doesn't have acts to it. <laughs> Wait, what was it? 2001. We should watch that sometime. Drunk. Okay, that. A space really high to watch it. Have you seen 2010? There is a sequel to 2001 called 2010. Is 2010 also a sequel? Somewhere up there. I own it's it. Not def- it's not Kubrick. It's, it's not Kubrick, but it is oh, a sequel. Wild. Yeah. Justin? Is 2012 a sequel? I wish. What year is it? <laughs> I think that came out in, uh, I want to say, 
1980? Have you seen it? I haven't watched it yet, but Dude, I remember we seeing... We should make it. We should do an episode on it just for fun. <laughs> 2010 only. Um, <laughs> no, we missed it. We should have done the episode in 2010. Yeah, <laughs> nine years ago. Almost a decade. Uh, I can't remember what we were saying. Well, 1984, but... it was made. 2010, the year we made contact. Um, what were we... We're talking about well, split uh, or unbreakable. Yeah, which one's split, better? Split, 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 unbreakable. Yeah. Is our voting so? Um, but they're close. Very good. Um, We're about an yeah. hour in the podcast, so maybe uh, at the after you finish listening to this podcast, audience, um, you know, I don't know, comment or message us your what you think is better, split or unbreakable. Um, split will probably be, but who knows. Um, so I have the I have one game set up, and I we also have Last Movie on Earth. I don't know. I think Last Movie on Earth is shorter. Should we do that one first? Uh, let's do it. Because Glass would be a shorter episode. Yeah, we're gonna. I have only one word to say about Glass. We'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> Next episode. Shit. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. So what, what are we doing? Um, we're gonna do Last Movie on Earth. Okay, I gotta get my. Where's my telephone? Zach is out of the game. Do, do, do. But this is the game. Uh, this is the game where we uh, talk about the movie and try to guess what movie we watched last time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do have a scoreboard, so I can run yeah. over and get that because I never have it on hand. As he's getting it, I'll quick describe uh, what the game is. It's a little bit crazy deep. Um, yeah, every week we uh, we try to get the other people at the table to guess the last movie that we saw and by doing that you know or how we do that like we did we read off the description off of netflix or letterbox of the last movie that we saw and then people try and guess it and then you get a point if you guess it uh and we keep these points week to week justin right now is looking up the score board for this season of the cinema swamp to see who's winning well right now we have uh hunter at 32 Justin at 36, Chloe at 20, and Zach at 22. And I actually had to start a whole new page just to get this going, so... Did too many tick marks on one page, if you know what I'm saying, huh? (laughs) I don't know what that was meant to be, but... (laughs) I'm having a hard time looking for my movie because I don't quite remember what the title of it was for some reason. And yes, I did actually watch this movie. (laughs) I'm ready. Is anyone else ready? Why, why am I having such a hard time with this? Oh, there it is. Yeah, I was saying... The, okay. I'm ready. Freddy. Jones. Who wants to go first? I can go first. Okay. Cool. Alright. This is my last movie on Earth. High school student David Lightman has a talent for hacking, but while trying to hack into a computer system to play unreleased video games, he unwittingly taps into the Defense Department's war computer. Oh, I know this. Is it Matthew Roderick? Is it? I don't remember. (laughs) War games? Hmm? Is it war games? Organs? No, it's no. not organs. <laughs> You're out. War games? No, war. It is war games, war games. yes. <laughs> Matthew Broderick. Right? Matthew Broderick, yep. I watched that in school. Really? <laughs> yeah. I've that been trying to... Educational. Well, it was a, like a 
a day that my shop teacher was gone and the mm-hmm. sub just brought that in. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. It's a classic 80s movie. Yeah. I, uh, I, I had heard about it for the first time when I read the novel uh, Ready Player One because that was... Uh, who's the guy who created the game in Ready Player One? Oh. Ogden? Oh, no, it was the other guy. Ogden Morrow, and the other guy's name was... Oh. Yeah, whoever the man... <laughs> None of us can remember. I remember Nolan Sorrento was the bad guy, because that's yeah. the coolest bad, ni- bad guy name Nolan ever. Sorrento. Uh, shoot, why can't I remember this Willy Wonka guy's name? Uh, his name was... Steven Spielberg. James Holiday. James Holiday. yep. Jesus. That was his favorite movie in the book. What so, was it in the movie then? The, I don't remember. In the I movie. haven't seen the movie, so... It's a good movie. I know. It's a good movie, dude. I need to pick it I'd, up. I'd watch it again. Um, But, uh... That's why you read it or watched it? That's why I watched it, yeah. Because I, I was like, oh, I, I want to... Because he was, he's always talking about uh, John Hughes movies and stuff, and... Um, I don't know. I like 80s stuff, and... He said his favorite movie is War Games. I'm like, what? I'd never even heard of this movie, and it's in this 80s book. So I tracked it down and watched it on Hulu. That's, I remember. I liked it. That's another one yeah, of those, like, uh, 80s. It wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be, but it was all right. Video game movies I haven't seen. I haven't seen. I, I own The Last Starfighter. I keep meaning to watch it. That's, like, mm-hmm. another one. Or Tron. Or uh, Yeah, the original Tron. I, I, the one I've seen is Cloak and Dagger, which is this mm-hmm. really obscure has the kid from E.T. in it. It's a movie. Really? It's Yeah, and it's like about Atari games. And this like this guy keeps popping up who's like in his subconscious. It's like this older like 007 type of character. Mm. And honestly, movie, not that bad. I actually enjoy it a lot, but nobody wow. knows it exists. It's a weird movie, but I love it. I remember because like at one point these old par- uh these I don't think it's his grandparents. It's these old people that are trying to kill him mm-hmm. to try to get to this uh, Atari cartridge or whatever. And I'm like, this is an amazing movie hmm. <laughs> just for that. Uh, but yeah, I gotta see War Games too. Yeah, it's probably my second favorite Matthew Broderick role. Maybe Ferris Bueller. Behind Ferris Bueller, I couldn't <laughs> I decide goes, if it was between that one or no, this or the Cable Guy. <laughs> Oh, yeah. But I think I like. I don't know. Maybe I like the cable Inspector guy. Inspector Gadget. Definitely not Inspector Gadget. That's Matthew Broderick's best movie. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Idiot. And you know the look weird lookalike they got of him for the second movie. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. I could I could do mine. Yeah. yeah. Um. Alex thinks he's just another nobody until he stumbles upon the mythical sword the in the stone. The. That's not the boy the who title. would be king. That's not the title either. Actually. The boy who would be king. You're, you're, yeah, the kid who would be king. Uh, uh, I'm out. It's basically the kid that. who would be king. <laughs> <laughs> the young fellow who would be. A king. I'm sorry. I gotta. I, I have to give it to Chloe. You. You. I. Because only because. <laughs> I was in my letterbox. I was typing in the boy who would be king. King I, Arthur, legend of the sword. And it wouldn't show up. And I was like, what is that? That's the name of the movie. Are kidding me? It's I, not. I basically got that sword. Both of us. I swear to God. We are name. we are in a different universe. I'm more surprised I, that you watched it. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I thought the well, truth. I remember you talking before we started. Like, there was a bunch of kids in there. I was there was. Like, what, what, what movie is that out that's like That's instantly what I thought children's. of, but I didn't. Well, I. What do you think of it? Oh, uh, well, I mean, honestly, I wanted to like it. Uh, well, there's a whole thing. Like, from trailers, it looks stupid because I was like, ah, this is another one of those generic, let's try to make a franchise kind of movies, and I, I was not into it. But 
Joe Cornish is the one name that really got me um, struck. Uh, it stuck out to me because he did attack the block, which was the big reason that John Boyega got hired on The Force Awakens. And everyone says attack the block is really good. Haven't seen it. I'm an asshole. But like, I, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go give this movie a watch because Edgar Wright's promoting it. All these directors online are promoting it, so I'm like. The kid who would be king. Yeah, because they said it's really good. And the movie got really good reviews. So I was excited to see it. I was like, maybe this movie is just like really great. And you know what? Movie is really adventurous. And it's, it's an idea that if I was a kid, I would have loved. It's just I think I'm too old for it now because I just could not get into it. And it had way too many uh, really cheesy characters that I, I couldn't stand. But not because they're bad or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just that they were, they're too like... You know how you get annoyed of the kid Ned in Spider-Man yeah. Homecoming. This was like my Ned, but the whole movie was Every Ned's. kid is Ned. And, and it was bad. Like, Hell on and I, and what. It was one of those movies where I thought the movie was over with this really lame climax, and I was like, that was kind of lame, but at least it's done. No, it went on for like another 30 minutes, and I was like, I want to go home. This feels like three hours. But the only, this was, I, the movie, I would probably give, honestly, two and a half stars, because there was, there was mm. good parts, but I just kind of was bored. But the saving grace, though, was all those kids, I, you can know, because I stay for the credits, all those kids leaving the theater were like, that was a really good movie. I really liked it. All these kids just loved the movie, and I was like, you know what, good for them, actually, because this is something that's, it's just an original idea. It was a fun movie. And, you know, it's not stupid. It's not Oogie Loves. It's like, you know what? Kids can go mm-hmm. see this, and they're loving it. And I'm like, you know what? They're getting a lot out of this movie. Mm. Good for them. So how was the character of, like, Merlin? Because I know it was, like, Patrick Stewart. Uh, Patrick Stewart was in the movie for about five minutes. He's, it's not really him. It's that kid. And honestly, kid with I a just... crazy neck. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't stand that kid. It just reminded me of every single... Uh, you know, you're like in that summer course for, I never took one of these, but like what I'm saying is an acting course when you're younger and there's that one kid who's trying like to be like the best of everybody. It was like watching that the whole movie. I couldn't stand it. And I feel bad because I wanted to like the movie a lot, but I just didn't. But there's so much to the movie that was good. And I'm like, all the kids loved it. And I'm like, please, yeah, kids go see this because this is better than seeing that animated remake of the grinch or some shit like that no go see this this is original this is getting better reviews you're gonna have more fun it's gonna be memorable this is a movie kids those kids are gonna be talking about this in a couple you know years when they're like that movie was good i remember that do you you actually think this will stick with kids though oh definitely you don't think it'll be forgotten no i think this will stick around for kids because it's got i think it has a lot of that stuff in it like Uh, something that, like, for us, uh, I don't know, like, Harry Potter, what Harry Potter kind of was for us. Not that mm-hmm. there's going to be a whole franchise, but... You don't think those kids are going to be like, yeah, but did you see Endgame? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let, let's hold that slow. Okay, so Marvel Marvel right now is, is, is our Star Wars, you know, that, okay, but, like... Say something like when we were kids... <laughs> remember when we were kids and, like, for instance... Uh, this is their, like, there labyrinth. Yeah. Hoodwinked. Hoodwinked. People liked Hoodwinked, and we still kind of do. We just forgot about it. <laughs> I love Hoodwinked. Or, like, uh... Talk about it. Quote it. Or, or, or something like, uh... I'm trying to... The series of unfortunate events. A movie that nobody remembers, but if I bring it up, people are like, I like so that movie. Well, yeah. Well, I like him the TV show. Well, I know, and it gets overshadowed, but what I'm saying is that it kind of has that same sort of staying power, I think. I think kids will be talking about this, because... <laughs> I think filmmaking-wise, yeah. especially, it's got a lot of unique aspects. Okay. Two, two oh, I talk about that like every podcast. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. 
I love when he does that rendition of moving on up. Go back and list every time Chloe's reference to a castle. Bill Murray singing. Any Chloe fans out there, go back and reference any episode where she referenced Tail Kickinies. Chloe will knit you pants if you if you can accurately just like pick out how many times she's referenced Tale of Two Kitties in all of her episodes. I actually thought it was her favorite movie. Like when she put commented on Facebook, she's like she said Tale of Two Kitties. I didn't really know her that well at the time, so I was like maybe I said Star Wars the holiday special. I'm an idiot. Like, okay, actually, this is so outside of what we're actually talking about. Okay, how many weeks were we doing this podcast? I didn't realize that you two were actually dating. Oh, really? Like, no, did not piece it together. Because you're like, you're not like the clingy type or any, like, you're not really, you're exposing your relationship. And I kept like, well, you sit by each other. And I was like, I think those two are dating, but I'm not going to ask. Because like, if I do, they're going to be like, no. And I'm like, my bad. So I'm like. Chloe and Zach, not me and Zach. Just to be. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) That's embarrassing. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but I, a couple weeks in, I was like, oh, I, they are dating. I know this for now, for sure. <laughs> but it was like, at first, I was like, I think they are. Yeah. They always walk in the door together. Yeah, well, I just figured, I figured maybe <laughs> maybe you live together, like, you kind of just picked each other up. I was like, I don't know, live in the same area? I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. Whatever. Well, so are you dating? <laughs> now, our, now our fans know that Zach and Chloe have been dating for a long AF <laughs> time. So, a little shout out to that. Oh, well, you gave it two and a half stars? Two and a half stars so, out of five. I'll remind that. A young man struggles to accept subliminal childhood memory. Yeah. Subliminal? No, sub. Sublimated. Sublimated? Childhood memory. <laughs> Subatomic. <laughs> he finds a technique that allows him to travel back into the past to occupy his childhood body. And change history. The butterfly like, effect. Oh, oh, the butterfly oh, effect. I'm so mad I watched that. Which, which 2004. Which ending did you watch? The one where he dies, or the one where he? Oh, this would be such a good like bandersnatch. What was the other Could one? Be. What was the other version that happened? Because I remember seeing both endings. Ones where he dies in the womb, and there's one that in he... the womb. Yeah, he goes like back in time to when he's like a little baby in the womb, mm. and he dies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that like? I haven't seen that. There was there, that's like a I think a special feature ending, and I thought that was well, a I, cut yeah, of the movie. The ending we watched, he just never met the girl, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so because I, de- I did, ha- I do remember seeing that because I used to own the DVD, but I I just watched it on Hulu. Because I think later they made that an official cut of the movie, but I can't remember. I also very rare. I vaguely remember that movie. I watched it when it came out, so that had been like when I was nine, and I remember a mailbox blowing up. And yeah. that, that they weren't supposed to, it was like a firecrackers and they actually heard yeah. someone. Yeah. It was a like, cherry bomb or something. Is that an uh, interesting movie? Is that on Hulu right now? I think so. I just yeah, got I Hulu, so I'm Hulu catching up on stuff. One, one of the streaming. I'm pretty sure it was Hulu. Probably. What do you think of it? I haven't seen well, it in years, I, so is it like still good? Well, I loved it when I was a kid. I used to watch it all the time. Um, it still holds up. To me, anyway. I... I still really liked it. It's such a cool, like, idea that you can do that. And, like, he has these blackouts. And it doesn't make sense until you're, like, later into the movie. And, like, mm-hmm. the blackouts make sense. Like, that's those points. You, you, you've all seen it, right? Yeah. A while like, ago. That's the points where he, like, goes back. 
and like starts over is like at those blackouts. So like, yeah. I didn't. I you didn't. didn't no. You, <laughs> you watched it with me. Like, Wait, that's what the movie was about. <laughs> well, Ashley Kutcher wasn't. Yeah. Did but you, yeah, it was really good. I liked it. Did you watch Butterfly Effect two and three? I, I didn't know there was a three. I, <laughs> I owned like it was a double pack of like one and two, so I watched both of those, and I, didn't get through two. Is two a sequel or is it just a different story? It's like a I think similar it was just thing. A different story, but it was the same plot. Hmm. It's largely unrelated to the two thousand four film. Yeah. Same I with the third one. I think I got halfway through and I thought it was stupid. So I just didn't no, the director video Butterfly Effect Two is stupid. Why would you say that? Did you see the third one? Uh, no, didn't. I kind of figured. I didn't know. That, I didn't <laughs> know there was a third one until like recently. I didn't find out until I made that video of all the sequels that came out before Incredibles oh, yeah. Two, and then I was like compiling the posters, and I was like, they made a second one, and I looked more, and I was like, they made a third one. <laughs> I was like, why? Well, no, yeah. It's one of those it has, movies. Uh, it's the first thing I've seen the actor who plays Foggy in Daredevil in. That's mm-hmm. the first thing I've seen him in. Really? He's in it? That mm-hmm. would have been years ago. Yeah, he plays the fat kid. I've seen him in a couple other stuff, but yeah, that one's one of the first movies. I think I think while I was watching Daredevil, like, oh, is that the guy from Butterfly Effect? Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. Uh, what did I give it? I think I gave it like a three and a half. It's probably a three and a half star movie. I gave it a four. The story alone was worth it, I think, yeah. for three and a half. Yeah, it was really good. Alright. Um, a young couple welcomes the peace and quiet of a secluded vacation home until three masked invaders make them realize how dangerous isolation can be. Uh, the beginning one more time? Just the beginning? Or the whole? Sure. Just a young couple welcomes the peace and quiet of a secluded vacation home until three masked invaders make them realize how dangerous isolation can be. I don't even know the strangers. Yeah, I was gonna guess yeah. the strangers. It is a stranger. Yeah. I was oh shit! Guess okay. that. I've yeah. never seen I was, that. <laughs> I was I was about to say it until you did. But I was like, <laughs> I was thinking it had because I know there's three of them. Because of the sequel. <laughs> yeah, they have, like, animal masks, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, not this one. That's your next. Your next. This is one, the strangers... they just have, like, white masks. Is this the one with, uh, Joel Edgerton? It's not on the Netflix description. Okay. Running around as fast as we can. What's the that's one? That's the one? That's, where, that's, where the, that's the trailer for the second one, because oh, the trailer was so okay. cool. That trailer was great. <laughs> That made me want to see that movie. What's how did that you like it? Sometimes. Yeah. I heard it was good. Movie. Okay, nothing crazy. That is what everybody movie? says about the strangers um, too. Is as typical. About it. I know. Mm. Everybody says like the movie was like typical, and they're like it's really not that good. But there were so many people at the time. are like it. It is amazing. See, that's because <laughs> it got to like the general public of people who like don't watch horror movies all the time, and they're like, oh my god, this is the scariest thing. Yeah. I saw exactly one movie this 2006 year, and I think this is the best one. Yeah, that's right. You say that. Like I, I think you can finish your thoughts. So. You say that horror is like your favorite genre, but it never seems like you like anything. It's because there are so many crappy yeah. horror movies out right now, like. Basically anything that goes in theaters, I am fairly certain I won't like because it's utter garbage. Like it's a curse, Zach. Like yeah. Escape Room. She's seen all the good ones. Escape Room just came out, and I knew instantly looking at the poster, I was like, "This is gonna be terrible." <laughs> yeah. I still kind of want to mm. go see it just to like 
because it's an interesting concept, but a lot of these are made off of, like, popular trends, like escape room is made based off of escape rooms, because they're really popular, and it just doesn't hold up well, it doesn't translate well, it's just not good. I'm just waiting for It Chapter 2. Oh god, I'm so excited for that. Are they making it? No, just, I'm like, wait, I thought they were done. What's It? <laughs> no. Uh, it 2. I can't wait for all those people it's. to like come out the woodwork who are, no. when when It 2 comes out and they're like, wait, they're making a sequel no, to no, this? The full title is It 2. It's. It's. <laughs> it's. It's a. Uh, it's a. Uh, Would it be? <laughs> it's. <laughs> you know cool. how I, how it be. Um, well, we actually, we all, standards, yeah. we all each got a point. Nice. So, uh, the exact same place. Hunter 33, <laughs> Justin 37, Chloe 21, and Zach 23. Okay. Which one did you guess, Chloe? Justin's. Justin's. <laughs> what was it? Oh, yeah. Because you, you both the said the same point. movie. I said just the right like, one after I said the wrong one. You both said the same <laughs> uh, title, and I, too, thought that was the I, title. If so I would say anything, she would have been like, the child it's a Bernstein who would Bears be song. queen. <laughs> I swear to God, when that movie was announced, it was the boy Bohemian who would be Rhapsody. king. Bohemian Rhapsody. The child who someday would be a... The kid in yeah. King Arthur's Court. The Emperor's New Group. Anyway, we're going to be going on... To uh, glass now, so we'll see you next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then remember, always, always be wearing the super swan. That was the coolest one yet. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the podcast. What'd you think of our thoughts on Split and Unbreakable? Do you agree that they are good movies, or do you agree with Chloe and think M. Night Shyamalan is a terrible hack? Let us know in the comments, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Cinema Swamp. Thanks for listening, and remember, always beware of the Cinema Swamp.